You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Power of Why podcast with your host, Jeanette Collazo. Today, we're going to talk about a very interesting group of stories. My intention today is to share anecdotes and things that I have experienced during my practice. And uh, we're going to be able to see how group thinking and collective IQ and all of these things best while working with problems in the organization. So we're going to hear certain stories so you can see how is it that sometimes, even though we have so many experts that are you know, very well prepared when it comes to making decisions to solve problems, sometimes it goes beyond what needs to be done or is totally wrong in terms of the solutions that they have, you know, the solutions that they are basically coming up with. So it's going to be very interesting. I'm going to share these stories. If it resonates with you or it sounds similar to something that you have seen, well, then you will be able to work with that through these practical stories, reality, you know, real life things that occur in the industry. So to start introducing the topic, I want to talk about what groupthink means. Okay, so groupthink is the practice of thinking or making decisions as a group in a way that discourages creativity or individual responsibility. Now, this is very interesting because, of course, creativity can be enhanced with a group, right? But sometimes it doesn't necessarily work that way because we might have certain solutions that could be creative, but because of the groupthink, we go through certain experiences that doesn't allow us to share that type of solutions or what we are thinking or the ideas that we have. Now, when we talk about groupthink, a lot of people associate this phenomena with very critical accidents or situations that have happened before. I have a few examples in which groupthink has been studied and has been shared because of the magnitude of the consequences of what happened in that particular situation. For example, the first one is the Bay of Pigs invasion. So in 1961, the U.S. government conducted a failed invasion of Cuba, Bay of Pigs. The planners of the operation were a close-knit group of advisors who failed to consider alternative perspectives and ignore warnings of potential failure. So that's one example. Then we have this, the Challenger Space Shuttle disaster. In 1986, the Challenger Space Shuttle exploded shortly after takeoff, killing seven crew members and becoming one very, you know, sad event. So investigations revealed that NASA's decision-making process was influenced by groupthink. As members of the team, failed to challenge assumptions and concern about the safety of the shuttle. You can read a lot more about this one. I think it's worth to take some time to read that. Enron scandal is another one. In the early 2000s, Enron, the energy company, collapsed in a massive accounting scandal. The company's executives were accused of engaging in groupthink as they condone unethical behavior and fail to question fraudulent accounting practices. The fourth example, Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme. 
in 2008, Bernie Madoff, a former stockbroker, was charged with running $50 billion, actually, Ponzi scheme that defrauded thousands of investors. Experts argue that groupthink played a role in the scandal as investors were drawn in by the impressive returns and failed to question the legitimacy of the operation. Then we have the Iraq War. In 2003, the United States invaded Iraq based on the premise that the country possessed weapons of mass destruction. Many analysts believe that the decision was influenced by groupthink, as policymakers failed to critically evaluate the evidence and alternative perspectives before committing the war. So, based on these things, we can conclude that groupthink can lead to disastrous consequences when individuals prioritize conformity over critical thinking and independent decision making. It is important to be aware of this phenomenon, especially in group settings such as business meetings, political decision-making, and other high-pressure situations. Now, those examples are a little extreme, but I do have more down-to-earth examples that might resonate a lot more with you. The first one that I want to share was when I was working in the industry, actually, was my first experience. And my job was to go to team meetings to facilitate the discussion. Okay. So that was my role. I was not there as part of the engineers or people that could come up with technical solutions. My, my job was basically to make sure that everybody would participate, that we will listen to everybody's ideas, that, you know, basically to, to facilitate that brainstorming type of, you know, exercise. So in that instance, what happened was what the problem that they wanted to solve was this. There was an oral product, okay? And it was a liquid, a suspension liquid. You know, when you have a suspension liquid, you have to shake it. So when you buy it, right, the liquid, it's from the particles that are part of the product. So in your instructions, it's going to say you shake well, all of these things. So the product has homogeneity. So basically, the problem was that in the tank, the product would separate and the filling of the product was through the top of the bottle or the tank. Okay, so it would have a probe and that will, you know, suck the, the product so we can do the filling. Now, there was no recirculation. There was no type of, you know, an in the liquid. So they would use more potency. So when the suspension separates, still maintain the level of product that was needed to be a good product. So most of the material was basically waste because it would separate and it would be at the bottom of the tanks. Of course, it would not be part or, or it would not maintain that, you know, uniform or consistency in the, in the contents or in the product. So to continue this story, this is what happened. Here I am. It was my first experience. I didn't know anything about technical stuff. So I'm just listening to what's happening, making sure everybody participates and you know the whole story. Me listening, <laughs> it's just that I can't. When I was listening to the solutions, they explained that the product did not have a lot of volume and meaning it was a an old product. It really was a cheap product 
even though they were wasting a lot of product, they, of course, you don't want to waste, even though it might be not necessarily an expensive product. So there was low volumes. You know, what I'm trying to say with this is that investments in that type of product that actually was going to be retired from the market in like three years or something like that type of situation does not provide with a good justification for, you know, big solutions. So this is what happened. They're talking about this. What can we do? And I hear these engineers and scientists discussing what can be done. And here I am listening, and they started talking about a magnetic stirrer. A magnetic stirrer basically works by creating a rotation in the liquid, like a centrifuge of the liquid, to maintain homogeneity, right? So it's, you know, it creates that centrifuge, and, you know, that's basically what maintains the whole thing. But the problem was that in order to implement that magnetic steer, we needed to buy the equipment, we needed to validate the process. It was a very expensive technology. So they were like, you know, it's going to be expensive. We don't know how we can justify, how we can justify this solution. And here I am thinking that when I was a little girl, I remember my mother would take me to these stores to buy maybe a slice of pizza or something like that. And there was, and I remember watching these containers with juice. And I remember I asked my mom, why is that container like continuously moving the liquid? It will take the liquid from the bottom of the tank or the container and it will recirculate to the top of the juice or the container. So it maintains that homogeneity, homogeneity in the juice. So when they were talking about this here, I'm thinking about What about that juice thing? Maybe that works. And I was like, and I actually mentioned, you know what? That reminds me of these. And then I told the story. Everybody started laughing. And I thought they were making fun of me, which, you know, usually happens. So they all started laughing because they were like, of course, that's what we have to do. We have to change the tank, just one tank, or actually it was not even changing the tank. It was changing the, just getting the product through the bottom as opposed to from the top of the tank and put up, you know, how do you say this, like a hose or some, something like that to create the same type of recirculation that we would get with a magnetic stirrer. So it was very funny because it actually was very, very cheap. It solved the problem. And uh, well, that's an, that's an example of when people get so involved in the process that they don't even consider, you know, simple solutions. And it happens with groupthink, like everybody's so intellectual that they want to go very advanced in their analysis. And these are the things that could happen. Another example Again, very interesting. Happened to me again in one of the companies that I worked. And this was the situation. There was a terrible, terrible environment in a chem chemical lab, right? And, um, you know, the, the situation was affecting production. And, you know, they, they, of course, wanted to solve that situation. The interrelationships were so bad that it was really creating a big problem. So what happened was that management requested. I was in training. They requested a training. They said, Jeanette, we need to do a training. We want to do a teamwork and motivation training. 
right? So that's that's basically what I got. It was not a consult. You know, they didn't want to consult me. They were just giving me instructions. This is what we're going to do. And I was, you know, to a degree, insulted because I'm not a catalog that you just choose. This is the training and that's what we're going to do. No, I'm in training and I'm the person that has to evaluate if that's what you need or or if you need something else. That's my job. So I was like, you know, I'm not a catalog. So before we move forward with coordinating a teamwork and, you know, training that's going to take one day, that means that if it's teamwork, we have to stop the whole lab and get everybody because it's the team and get everybody. So that basically would require that we stop the lab for a full day. Can you imagine that? Stopping the lab for a full day. Well, that would make sense if really the problem was teamwork. Now, the problem was, and I said, let me just take a look at what's happening. It took me like maybe 30 minutes to talk with a few of the analysts, and they explained what really was creating an issue was the fact that at the end of the day, at the end of the shift, they needed to make copies of their data, right? So because they would have to leave those those packets for production or whatever they do with that. I don't even know why they needed to make copies, but that was not at this point that we were not even working with that. So they talked to me and mentioned that there was only one copier and there was a lot of friction because they would, you know, create like an order of, you know, who's going to go first and second and so on. And there were, you know, married people that needed to leave early because they have to get home and do dinner or mothers or fathers that needed to pick up their kids or and so on. And there were, you know, single people that needed to feed the cat (laughs) or needed to get to the next happy hour. You know, the fact that you have to, that you have to certain responsibilities does not mean that other people don't have things to do with their life. You know, it's, it's, it's not like that. So they were, you know, very upset. And this just to give you one example of the things that were happening, but the common denominator was the fact that they needed that equipment and we didn't have enough equipment. So how did we solve the problem? Of course, we did not stop the lab. What we did was basically buy some additional copiers. Yeah, it's, it sounds like an obvious, but for some reason, when it comes to groupthink, It's not necessarily that obvious. Another example was when, well, this was a situation during the filling of vials, which have to be filled in aseptic areas. And aseptic areas are very fragile, right? Everything that happens in there needs to be very, you know, very well controlled. You don't want contamination. You have to control your behaviors, your movements, all of these things that could affect the the environment in that controlled room. So part of the process was to, well, of course, do the filling of the product and then do the sealing of the product and, of course, do the, you know, put the stoppers and, you know, basically the cap, okay? So this is what happened. The cap was gray, right? The product that they were feeling interacted with the illumination or lighting. And in that room in particular, the lights were yellow. Okay. So stay tuned because this is very interesting. So what happened was, and they had a a visual inspection in the 
filling and sealing process, right? So what happened was that, you know, the process went through like every other, you know, like every day, they would do the medic inspection in the aseptic area, and then it will go outside for other to continue the process. So what happened was that when the product went outside of the aseptic area, which had a different type of illumination, um, because the, the product was already filled in an ambar bottle and all of that, just to give you context, what happened was that they noticed that there was a stain in the cap. Remember, the cap is gray and it looked like, like a fingerprint, but it was in every single bio right? So it was like, what happened that this occurred? So they focus on the fact that should not or wouldn't happen if that stain was detected before continuing to the same, to the next process. So why is it that if we have a visual inspection, it was not detected, there was a stain? Well, that was the process. Here I am as part of the external source and obviously not an expert, but I'm thinking about human error, of course. In that, in this case, it was not. I was not representing training. I was representing human error investigation. Why didn't they see it? So part of what the reason of why they weren't weren't able to detect that uh, issue again was because they couldn't see it because of the contrast of the light and so on. So what the geniuses were thinking <laughs> to solve that problem was to see if the product will would you know get impacted if they changed the light which was already established to have a yellow light because the product interacted with the color of the light so that was the most expensive project that I have ever seen in my life because you needed to stop production do another submission to FDA with a new, you know, formula, which includes the lights. And it was, for me, it was like, I'm kind of analyzing this situation and this solution, it's extreme. Now, why is it that they're looking for that solution? Well, because nobody questioned where the stain came from. They just wanted to make sure that next time, that will that they would be able to detect it, right? So we went back and said, "Well, you know, guys, let's. What about making sure that the stain is not there? You know, it's." And then, of course, I ask, "Is this something that happens all the time? Because it all depends, right? If you have a lot of, you know, the frequency is high, then of course you want to do changes that are going to have a more effective, you know, impact." So I questioned, you know, where does this stain come from? And all of a sudden, everybody was like, well, why aren't we analyzing that? So, you know, they went back and tried to identify where the, the stain was coming from. And it was basically a mistake in the setup of the equipment that led to a grease stain. External cosmetic, no impact to the batch. So basically, you can do some rework and clean that, and nothing, you know, nothing happens. So it. So I asked, you know, if, if this happens every time, and they say they have never seen it before. So that means that it's a sporadic type of situation. You don't create norms for exceptions. 
It was something that that could be very easily fixed. And if it was not fixed and it would happen again, it did have an error recover, a good error recovery rate. So what did we do? Basically, nothing. It was like, this is a sporadic event. If this happens again, we're going to clean it. And, you know, actually we included in the procedure the, uh, you know, if, if there are cosmetic defects and they can be safely removed, then you don't have to do anything else. You just, you know, it's a problem because you have to do some rework, but you don't have to change a whole aseptic area. I'm not even going to continue. So as you can see, these are the kinds of things that we see all the time. I have another example. Check steps. This is very common. Check steps are these steps that we put in procedures to make sure that, you know, that everything is in order, right? For example, if you in the labs, if you do a calculation, then somebody else has to redo the calculation to make sure the calculation is correct. So that's kind of a verification and it's it's type of a, a check step. So this is what happened. There was a tank overflow. And I use this example a lot when I do my trainings because it's something that could help a lot because it's very common. So what happened was that there was a spill in a tank, an overflow of the tank, and that was not supposed to happen. Now, when they started doing the investigation, what they found was that the valves were open in the, in the wrong sequence, right? So we went back to the procedure and, and see, you know, why is it that, that the operator opened the valve in the, in the wrong sequence? So let's check the procedure to see if there is some issues with the sequence in the procedure. But what we found was that the sequence was perfect, right? And there was no problem with that. So what happened was that an operator went through the process of opening the valves, right? And the instruction would say, you know, make sure valve X, it's in the open position. That would be the instruction. If you're asking somebody to do a check, right? Or make sure, that means that by default, you have already acknowledged that there is a possibility that we will find undesired circumstance there right so so what we want to do with those check with those steps is to you know do this you know check and so we can continue why because if we do a check right here and something is wrong then we can correct it and so on the problem is that the procedure had that instruction but it didn't tell you what to do if you find the undesirable condition right? It didn't tell you what to do if it's closed. Now, considering the fact that this doesn't happen often, right? And people are, and usually they do the job correctly. So it was not something that you would find. What happened in this case is that the operator did not know what to do next, right? So he's like, okay, so I have to make sure that the valve is open, but now it's closed. So there is nothing else in the instructions. So I guess that it's my job to make sure it's open. So what did the operator do? Well, he opened the valve and he opened the valve in the wrong sequence. When in reality, that was just, you know, luck, if you will, bad luck, if you will, but because you didn't have an instruction. And some people tell me, well, but they should know. No, they shouldn't know. That doesn't mean that I know because this could be sporadic events. This could be things that don't happen frequently. So you can't just assume that people will do the right thing every time. 
on their own. And that's basically what I tried to say. You know, people need to know that if this happens, they have to call the supervisor. So we have to include a conditional statement saying, if it's closed, then call the supervisor. And this happens all the time with check steps. So basically, that's what I wanted to share. I'm going to continue to share some stories because I do have like a whole volume of these type of stories. But the important thing is that, you know, we consider that there is always a principle that we should apply. One thing that I like to talk about when I talk about this is the concept or a principle called Occam's Razor. And this is a principle that suggests that given multi multiple explanations for a phenomena, the simplest explanation is usually the best. So in this case, what we're saying is be careful with, with the why, because you want to start with the simplest explanation, right? So what this means is that when trying to understand something, we should prefer hypotheses that make the fewest assumptions, right? Rather than those that are overly complex or convoluted. So what we want to do is that, and basically this press, you know, even though it's, you know, a comes racer, not necessarily is a foolproof method for determining truth, but it can be very useful for simplifying complex problems and focusing our efforts or on more promising avenues of investigation. So, In summary, what we're trying to say is that when you are presented with multiple explanations for something, what we want to do is prefer the simplest one that adequately explains the evidence. And that's what we want to do. I hope that this helps or at least entertains and that you find insightful this information. But that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you have suggestions for topics or anything else, you can find us in the power of why at gmail.com. Remember to subscribe, share, and see you next time. Take it away. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.